All right. If you will, turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 34. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 34. I'm going to begin reading. It says this, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Read that again. I love that verse. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. Today's message is just a simple title. It's, called, it's going to be called Give Thanks. And how many of you are excited about Thanksgiving coming up? Right? I know I'm excited about the food. Uh, I've been trying to prepare myself, you know, trying to eat as little as I can maybe for the next two weeks, and I'm just going to gorge on Thanksgiving. That's my plan. So hopefully after Thanksgiving, I'll still be able to fit in my pants. So that's, that's what I'm working towards. So let's look at this. Point number one, if you're taking notes, I wrote this down. It says, I can give thanks to God because He is always good. That I can give thanks to God because He is always good. You know, we take that for granted sometimes that God is good. You know, God is tied to His characteristics. And, you know, there's nothing that says God had to be good. Can y'all imagine if He wasn't? I mean, He would still be all-powerful. He would still be all-knowing, but yet He would be, instead of all-good, He'd be all-bad. Wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be fun? But it's just, you know, we are blessed to be serving a loving God that loves us who gave himself for us. And I'm going to be honest with you, you know, I, I've just realized, and you know, sometimes I can, I will admit it, I'm not the most thankful person. You know, I, I take things for granted. I take people for granted sometimes. You know, sometimes we take our church and our church family for granted. But God is always good. All the, what's the montage that we say in church sometimes? Y'all help me out. God is good. And all the time, God is good. And we say that because we need that constant reminder. So I want to take a few minutes to kind of look into some of God's attributes to remind us of the goodness of God. I believe that Thanksgiving springs from your understanding of God's character. You know, if someone were to ask you, could you name some of the characteristics of God's character, some of His attributes, such as His holiness, right, His righteousness, His love? I'm going to read uh, James 1.17. And you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'll go ahead and quote it for you. But it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from God. Have you ever thought about that? Every good thing that you've experienced, every good thing there is in life, the source of that good thing is God. If you're sitting here this morning and you have 
you know, good health, you need to thank God. If you're sitting here this morning and you have a good family, man, you need to thank God for that. And as I was praying yesterday, you know, God reminded me how blessed I am. You know, I started to think about my brother who's a pastor and my mom who, you know, prays for me all the time. I have a sister who's serving the Lord who, who's good to me and, uh, you know, so many friends that I can depend on. You know, Rick Warren had a quote. He said that to appreciate something means to raise the value. You know, I've noticed if I get something, especially like a new car or truck or something, you know, after about a, six months to a year, it just seems like it's just not as pretty as it was, right? Y'all know how, what I mean? Or that house you got, it just, you know, it just seems like it's not as special as it once was. And you're looking for that next thing, right? You're looking for something more. And it don't matter how much income you have. You know, I remember 10 years ago thinking, man, if I could just make, you know, this amount of money, I'd be happy. Boy, if I was making that much amount of money now, I'd be in the poorhouse, you know? And, uh, and now, you know, as your income increases or whatever life increases, you are still thinking, man, I've got to, I've got to be making at least another $1,000 a month, right? Always need another $1,000 a month, it seems. And you're pushing toward that goal. And the whole time, you're not thankful for where you are now. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. And I've received a lot of gifts from folks, and they didn't always fit. And uh, actually, these suit pants didn't fit too long ago. But uh, during Dad's funeral, I bought some, went and bought, she gave me some money to buy a suit. And I bought the wrong size pants, so I had to go back and buy uh, the bigger size pants. But then, you know, so it's good if you're a preacher, you always got to have your your bigger pants and your smaller pants. So that way you, the, the Bible says to be ready in season and out of season. That means when you get fatter or whatever, you got to be ready. Okay? So that's how I interpreted that. But to appreciate means to raise the value. Right? And it's not, you know, I used to almost feel, not guilty, but you know, about 15 years ago, you know, I, I was selling used cars for a little while. Not, I don't know what, how I feel about that whole uh, uh, pathway. But you know what part of my job was? To try to raise the value of that car. You know, hey, look how beautiful it is. Have you seen the leather seats? Have you seen the, you know, the, I'm trying to think. If we, yeah, we had navigation back then. This was like 2006. You know, and try to point out all the features and raise the value. And people would be like, oh, wow, that is a big trunk. You know, and, you know, that's, sometimes we simply need to do that in our own life. When's the last time you raised the value of your spouse? Right? You started thinking, man, she's beautiful. Man, she's faithful to me. You know, she is... Uh, you know, does all this around the house? You know, just raising the value, 
But you have to mentally do that. You have to mentally raise the value. Same way with your faith. How valuable is your faith to you? Raising the value of your family and your friends. Man, I've learned this year. You know, Dad passed, y'all know, back in February. And, uh, you know, we were blessed as a family. You know, Dad kept a journal. And he, he kept a journal for about 30 years or longer. And, man, as Mom has been reading it, I'm just not ready to read that yet. But she tells me about it. And she reminds me of all the things that we did as a family. You know, going to church and serving the Lord, working in the nursing home, all the different things that, that we did. And, man, I'm telling you right now, I miss that. And I know we all have somebody we miss this morning, too. So don't let this Thanksgiving pass. You know, everybody's making their family pictures right now, and maybe you're making your uh, you know, family plans. But what about that? What about really just connecting with each other? You know, finding out what's really going on and, and thanking God for them. Thank God for your wife. Thank God for your children and their health, their safety. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. 1 John 1, 5 and 2 says, God is light and in Him is no darkness. You know, we just had Halloween and you know, the darkness and this, the scariness of that. And, and, you know, I'm so glad that God is light and in Him is no darkness. I thank God for His, His goodness. I thank God that He is the light. He's the light of the world. Not only is, is, he, is, is he light, but we can see His goodness in creation. You know, in Genesis 1.31, He says that God created the heavens and the earth and said that it was good. Man, it's a beautiful world. It is. God created it just for you. Man, I like to go outside and just hear the birds and hear, you know, uh, what's going out in nature and think about what God has done. God has basically created this aquarium for you. I mean, if one thing was a little bit different, you wouldn't be able to breathe. You know, I mean, we take for granted the fact that we can just wake up and breathe the air, that we can, that the sun is just perfectly placed, that God has given us beauty, that He is, he is the greatest artist we'll ever see. I thank God for His, his, his ability to create. His goodness in creation. He, you know, he, he doesn't do a half job. He does it the right way. God is good in His creation. Thank Him for that. Romans 8, 28, my dad's favorite verse. We know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord, for them that are called according to His purpose. And God's goodness is shown and his desire to see great things happen in your life. When we know that all things work together for good, for them that love the Lord, for them that are called according to his purpose. Next one is this. God is, uh, 
God is good in the fact that he answers our prayers. How many people can you call and then they will actually answer right now? If I were to call you up here, right? The people, how many people, how many of those Facebook friends are going to answer the phone? How many of those people at work are going to be too busy? I've never called God and he wasn't available. The most important person in the world is always available. I'm thankful for that. Psalms 38, Psalms 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those that take refuge in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When I was in college, there was an old gentleman there named Mr. Benjamin. And I've told you all a little bit about him in the past, but he, he was in his late 70s when he decided to go to Tacoma Falls College. Instead of retiring and you know, going to the retirement home, he said, I wanted to come. And I want to encourage young people, these young ministers. And he'd pray with us. He'd, he'd, he'd say, tell somebody. Tell somebody about Jesus. And man, when he would go out and witness and people would turn down the gospel, tears would roll down his face. And he'd say, I just wish. He called me little brother. Because, you know, me and my brother were there together. He's a little bigger than me. But uh, he'd say, little brother, I just wish that they could take, just taste one, just a little bit of how good the Lord is. I just wish I could give them a taste. He'd have an ice cream in his hand half the time. He said, it's just like this ice cream. If I could just give them a taste, they'd see what I'm talking about. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed are those that take refuge in him. When's the last time you, you, took a, you took a bite? You took a taste. You, you tested God and said, God, I, I can't do it no more. Man, this world, the, the pandemic, all that's happened, people, you know, things seem to be going crazy. Take your refuge in Him. Give Him a shot. Give God a chance. Not only that, God is good in His plan in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And God has good plans. God has good plans for your life. Thank Him for that. Thank Him that He's working on your behalf. But you have to ask Him. You have to, you have to communicate with Him. He's good in His forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. What does it say? Uh, what does it say? Uh, just slipped my mind. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1 John 1.9 I get my wanna credit right there. No slip-ups. First John 1 John 1.9 He's good in, that he, in His forgiveness. When's the last time you asked God to really, really deal with your sin? You know, one of the messages I, I was thinking about preaching today, but I didn't, I didn't, because it was going to take a long time to develop. Uh, you know, we come and we worship God, and, we, and we're excited to be here, and we know that God's love is greater than all our sin. I believe that. His grace is sufficient. He's always forgiven. 
But you know what? And anytime something negative comes to our head about us, or someone says something negative about us, we say, you know, that's, that's just the devil. That's, that's the devil attacking me. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's people just trying to badmouth me. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes those things are true. <laughs> Amen? Somet- sometimes there's, there's things about us that need to change. Amen? I can't just come and worship God and say, praise the Lord. He is... He loves me more than I, than I can imagine. And it doesn't matter how I live. I'm just going to let it all be soaked up in his, in his love. Listen, if you don't catch anything, catch this. A large percentage of your worship is your fellowship with God. Worship and fellowship go hand in hand. How can you worship when you're out of fellowship. If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is the opportunity. That is the doorway to fellowship with God if you're a Christian. But we have to do that. If we want to worship God, we have to be in fellowship with Him. Things that we're doing, things that happen in your life have taken you out of fellowship with God. Just like, you know, if you're doing something in your marriage or you're doing something in your job, it's going to take you out of fellowship at that place of employment, maybe. It might take you out of that marriage. It might take you, worst case, it might take you out of here. But we've got to be in fellowship with God if we're going to worship Him. Thank God for His goodness and His, always, His willingness to forgive. You know, God could probably make a list of a hundred reasons. I could make a list of a hundred reasons why God shouldn't love me. I, should, I can make a list of a hundred reasons where hundred things that I've done that I'm ashamed of. I could make a list of a hundred things that I, opportunities that I've let God down in my life over the years. But you know what? God looks at that and he says, you know what? I'm willing to sit down with you and help you not do that again. I'm willing to sit down with you. He's the reconciler. He is there to wreck. He's reconciling the world. The ministry of sanctification, purifying your heart. You know, if you put a tea bag in the water under pressure, it's what's in that tea bag that's going to come out. You know, it's what's in that bag. What's in your heart when it's put under the pressure and examination of God's Word and the Holy Spirit? When we confess our sins, we are purging. We're purging our hearts of those things, our minds of those things, so that we can be pure, so that now we can be beneficial. Now you have some good tea, amen? God can, God can do something with that. Thank God, lastly, for His salvation. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
When's the last time we had a testimony in church? Someone just so excited to be saved. Someone who is still, you know, in that honeymoon phase of their, of their relationship with God. Have you lost your first love? Have you lost the awe of being a child of God? Have you forgotten that He's taken you out of the mire and, and set your feet on solid ground? Have, have you forgotten what it means to have a home in heaven? My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We have a Father in heaven. We have salvation. We have so many things to see God's goodness. So when Thanksgiving comes around, we like to, we like to, and most a lot of people do. When Thanksgiving meal was prepared, what do you do? Hopefully, you'll sit around the table and let everyone have an opportunity to give their thanks to God. It's a good opportunity because sometimes you have people there that don't go to church, may not have a relationship with God. It's an opportunity to to show that, you know, we are not self-made. I'm not self-made. If it wasn't for God, I could be in jail, I could be in prison, I could be in hell. It's only because of His grace in my life that I am who I am. So hopefully that is a reminder of God's attributes, His his love, His wisdom, His patience, His sovereignty. God is so good. Bless His holy name. But we're going to move on. And these are a bit more challenging. Give thanks unto the Lord because He is good. Number two, we're going to kind of transition. And this may be a question some of you have. And this is what I think may be robbing some of us of our thanksgiving. My question is this. How can I give thanks to God when life isn't always good? Amen? That's the problem, isn't it? It's not that God isn't good. It's that life isn't always good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Life isn't always good. And yet, the Bible says in everything to give thanks. How am I going to do that? I wrote down a passage of Scripture. If you want to turn there, we may park there for just a little bit. It's found in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Says this. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymnals and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. Did y'all hear that? Giving thanks always, verse 21, for all things unto God, and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think Paul has given us a few things that we can look at here. God is always good, but life isn't always good. God never said 
life was always going to be, you know, peaches and ice cream, rainbows and care bears, right? He didn't say that. And if I look at Jesus's life, and if history were to look at Jesus's life and the life of the disciples, how many in here would say they had a good life? How many would say they had a lot of possessions? How many would say they, they, didn't, they, they didn't have many trials? If Jesus was persecuted, if Jesus suffered, if Jesus went through so much pain and things, why would I expect my life to be so much different? The Bible says we are to take up our cross and follow him. So the world is not always going to be good. And, but what does it say here? Just, just a few things that we can look at. He says to walk circumspectly. That means to look carefully. Look carefully around you. Look what's going on in the world. Man, look at, you know, uh, all the challenges that we face. He says, number two, he says to redeem the time because the days are evil. You know, God is the great, you know, you think, you think we set the clocks back this morning and redeem some time. Well, man, let the Lord set your clock back. Let the Lord redeem your time. Take back the years that the locusts have eaten. You know, some of us are disappointed in, in where we're at in life right now. There's something that's discouraging you about maybe your place in your life, in your career, in your marriage. And you say, I, I can't get back those years. I can't go back. I wish I could go back and have a different career. I wish I would have never married this person. Or I wish I would have never you know, had, had this many kids or, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. But you know what? We can take our life, we can take our time and the mistakes that we made and then as soon as you give your life to God, He can start redeeming your time. He can, he can give you two for one. Right? He can... He can give you a better marriage. He can give you a better, you know, he, 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 he can give you a better job. He can give you a better, uh, you know, life of service to God. Maybe you haven't been serving the Lord and you've just been sitting on the church bench for so long, you know, that you just don't think you can serve the Lord anymore. You've gotten too comfortable. God is the redeemer of our time. Ask him, what is it, God, that you want me to do? What is it, Lord, that you have in store for me? He's the great redeemer of our time. Not only that, but it said that we are to be not drunk with the wine, but to be filled with the Spirit.
The world isn't going to be good if you're not filled with the Spirit. If you don't have your, your Christian biblical worldview, the goggles that God has given us to see the world through His Spirit. Everything that happens to you, you're going you're gonna to think it's negative. Everything in the world is going to seem so out of control. And you're going to begin to question God's goodness. But the Bible says this is a commandment. This is a commandment to be ye filled with the Spirit. How do I do that? How do I do that, Josh? Well, you're going to have to first get in His presence. And he's going to begin to, you know, he's going to, he's going to begin to pick you up and He's going to begin to empty you of yourself. Sometimes, some of us, our biggest enemy is our inner me. It's who we are. And God needs to first empty you of yourself, your self-centeredness, your selfishness. The things that, you know, God is, wants to become your roommate. He, he, he lives in your heart. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God indwells in me. And just like any roommate, if you take no consideration for the things that you're doing, you ignore them, you, you know, you, you uh, do things that complicate that, that relationship. Be ye filled with the Spirit. If you, want, if you want life to be good, I've got to be walking in the Spirit. I have to see how God sees. I have to feel how God feels. Love how God loves. And then, it doesn't matter if I'm living or dying, I'm in Christ. I'm, I'm content. Paul said, I've learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. Another one here, is uh, be not unwise, but understanding, verse 17, what the will of the Lord is. So many Christians, this has been the story of my life a lot of times. God is not going to allow you to be happy outside of his will. God is not going to allow you to have true happiness outside of His will. It's not going to happen if you're a Christian. Think about that. Next question is this. What is the will of God for my life. What is the will of God for my life? Guys, it's going by quick. We're getting older. When I first preached at this church, 15, actually, the first time I preached in it at New Rocky Creek, guess what year it was? 1993. Yeah, I was only 13 years old. Not many people remember that message. And my, <laughs> if you remember that message, and I'm impressed. But 
Yeah, I was 13 years old. My brother was working with the youth, and they had a special outing. Uh, uh, you know, I wasn't, I knew God was, had called me to the preach, but I was still kind of like a little hellion, you know, running around, but still preaching, you know, when brother calls me. So I, I preached the message in 1993, but man, 1993, those people, I guarantee you, Brother Kenneth, most of them people aren't here today, are they? You might be, you and Brother Ralph, Brother Ralph, well, y'all, y'all were here back then, weren't you? Uh, that was probably, and Brother Gary maybe, and uh, Justin and Amy might have been, they might have been around. Amy probably was. Yeah, that's it. A lot of those people have passed away, you know, in 30 years. They're gone. Man, this, this, things change. Do you know what the will of the Lord is? How much time are you willing to invest to find out what the will of the Lord is? Right? I guarantee you if it was your boss and it, and it was your employment and your pay, you're going to find out what those expectations are, aren't you? Because you've got to meet them. But for some reason with God, His expectations and being in His will is just an option. Well, I'm sure there's some things the Lord wants me to do, but I... I've been busy. I'm sure there's some people that I should probably share my faith with, but I'm just not comfortable. I'm sure I should probably go to church more than once a month, but, you know, I I need to rest on the weekend, son, because I work hard. Amen? And then we wonder why life isn't good. Well, guess what? Life ain't never going to be good outside of the will of God and knowing what his will is for your life. And I thank him for that. Because how good it is to be in his presence. How good it is when we are close to him and walking and talking with him. I think about that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Oh, what needless sins we bear. All because we won't carry everything to him in prayer. And my favorite part of that song is this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. I want his peace. I don't want this pain. I want to be in his will. And guess what? You're saying, well, man, that's complicated. Guess what? God knows what you're made of. Just like if you, if you had a kid that had poor work ethic, you're not going to send them out there to cut the grass, and then when they get back, you're going to say, man, they've got a good work ethic now. No, it's, it's a process. It, you're not going to be, you're not going to know perfectly the will of God if you come down here and pray and you start this week. You're not going to know it by the end of the day. You're not going to know it by the end of the week. But it's the mountain. It's the journey. It's you're on your way. You're going. You're headed toward God. You're going in that direction. I'm going to find out what his will is for my life. I need to talk to godly people. I need to talk to my pastor. I need to find out my spiritual gifts. I need to quit doing things that are quenching God's spirit in my life. I need to change the music I'm listening to, young people. 
I need to change some of the Netflix shows I'm addicted to. I need to get God, get in God's presence. I'm going up that mountain. And as soon as you start going up the mountain, you're in the will of God. Now you may not know it clearly, but you are now in the will of God. It's that simple. It's, it's that change of direction. I'm going toward God. Not only that, but it says to bless one another. Speaking to each other in sims, sims, psalms and hymns. And then lastly, it says to give thanks for everything. Uh, verse 20 says, Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what have we said so far, just so we can review? We, can say, we said that we can give thanks to God because He is always good. So point two was how can I give thanks to God when life isn't always good? We've got to redeem the time. Know the will of God. Be filled with the Spirit. Give thanks for everything. Lastly, lastly I wrote down this question that some of y'all might have. And I think this can rob you of thanksgiving and thanksgiving. How can I give thanks to God when people aren't always good? Anybody ever had a problem with a person? <laughs> That's the understatement of the, of the year, isn't it? We, most of your problems, although life may not be good, Sometimes, most, most of your problems are people problems. Can y'all raise your hand and agree with me there? Y'all have any ever had a people problem? Yeah, people problems. You know, the, my mom told me when I was a kid, and I had never forgotten it, because sometimes she would forget. She'd forget that she told me I could do something or forget she was going to give me something. He says, you know what, Josh? Guess what? People are going to disappoint you. Even your mama is going to disappoint you. But guess what? God is never going to disappoint you. And I thought that was kind of a way out of not, you know, but it's true. It's true. People are going to disappoint you. I'm going to disappoint you. You're going to disappoint me. Your wife is certainly going to disappoint you. Your husband, he's a man. He's going to disappoint you. Your children, trust me, I have them out there. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to, they're going to drive you crazy. And you're going to have to find a way to steal. The Bible said, what did our verse say again? It said, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. And also we mentioned the Bible says to give thanks for everything in everything. I'm going to have to find a way to be thankful for these people. Amen? These people in my life. So I wrote down a, a few little suggestions that maybe will help you. First one I wrote is to be fruity. Some of y'all are looking like, what you talking about? I ain't fruity, man. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 gives us the fruits of the Spirit. Let me read that a little bit because Galatians... That's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit... Notice the fruit of the Spirit. We must have the Spirit for these to be applicable in our life. It's kind of like expecting the toys to work without the batteries being in. If you don't got the Spirit in, this, ain't going, this will not help you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. One of the ways that we can be content and be thankful for people and deal with our people problems is to be fruity, to be filled with God's love, God's joy, God's peace, God's patience, God's long-suffering, God's joy. If those things aren't characteristics in your life, you're not going to be able to tolerate what's happening at home or at work or in the neighborhood or whatever, wherever your source of distress lies. I've got to have God's fruit. Man, Jesus, they pulled his beard, they slapped his face, they whipped his back, they, they cursed at him, they made fun of him. In any second, he could have just wiped them all out, the place of, face of this earth. Right? He could, what's the song say? He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and for me. He was filled with, with the Spirit. He was walking in the Spirit. He knew what the will of the Lord was. He had that love and that joy and that peace that long-suffering. Can, can you see? Can your neighbor see, rather? Can your wife, can your husband, can your children see that you're pretty fruity? Can they see that you have these in your life? You know, someone once said that the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. A lot of your people problems are heart problems. Do you know that? It's pride. It's, it's past hurts. But you know what? They're real. And we can't just wash them away. We can't just say they don't exist. But we can change our character. We can change, you know, the fact that, you know, we can grow in Christ. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Not only that, but Colossians 4, 6 says, not only do we need to be fruity, but we need to be seasoned. Colossians, I'll read it real quick. Well, not real.
Colossians 4, verse 6, says this. It says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt. Man, I'm telling you, most food is better with a little salt on it, isn't it? I'm trying to watch that, but it is. You Go eat some French fries without salt on them. Right? Terrible. <laughs> um, and it's the same thing with what comes out of your mouth. It's A lot of times, men, it's not... Um, this is for the ladies. It's not what you said, is it? It's how they said it. Am I right, ladies? It's not what they said. It's how they said it. That, that's the whole thing. But men are like, what did I say? What's wrong? Right? All you got to do is put a little salt on it. Right? And we're not talking about the sweet-talking type of salt. Now we're talking about genuine love, genuine respect, genuine honor for the person that you're talking to, genuine, you know, uh, and I know women, your wife may like to bring stuff up. I, I, saw, <laughs> I saw something <laughs> the other day that said that a lot of women are in the archaeologist field because they experts at digging stuff up. Have y'all seen that? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of women up there. They, they can dig up the past, is I think how it went. That may be true, fellas, but you still have to think about not just what you say, but how you say it. You know, what about your children? You say, I told him not to do that. You know, I, I told him to, to go to, to clean his room. Or I, the Bible says don't provoke your ch children to wrath. Right? But grow them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's that salt that makes the difference in how your children will respond to you. And you say, they don't ever come tell me nothing. Well, you wonder why. They don't want none of that. They don't want none of that. You wonder why your boss doesn't want to, you know, advance you in your position. And he's walking down the hallway and he sees you and you're lashing out at people. Right? They're getting the job done, but they're, you don't have any salt. And you wonder why you're, you're not advancing. You wonder why nobody, nobody's asked me to teach Sunday school. Nobody's asked me to do this or do that. Nobody, nobody wants, you know, listen to the things that come out of your mouth, right? Listen to the things that you say. Be seasoned with salt. Next is to allow God to fight your battles. You know, the Bible says that in, uh, you can look at the life of David and Saul. Y'all know the story, how Saul was trying to kill David, but not once did David really try to kill Saul. He gave him a warning, but he let God fight his battle. How can I deal with these with people that are causing me to not be thankful? How can I be thankful this Thanksgiving? Is to realize that first off, 
you can say this, that your battle is not with flesh and blood. Did you know that? Ephesians tells us in chapter 5, verse 32, I think it is, where it says, no, Ephesians 6, 12 says, that your battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities, with power, with the rulers of the darkness of this world, with spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. That right there will help you out a lot. If you can, you know how they say to count to ten when someone's getting on your nerves or, or you're ready to respond and you're aggravated? You need to start thinking, my battle is not with the flesh. My battle is a spiritual battle. There is demonic forces out there in this world. There is evil in this world. You know? There's so many things that are trying to attack you and get under your skin. You know, we think it's just the politicians that have to walk, be careful with everything they, they say because someone... No, guess what? The devil's doing the same thing. The world is doing the same thing. God, you are being set up. You are being set up. And somebody's just waiting for you to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. I got you. I got you. That person, you may never see them again, but guess what? The damage has been done. That's what Satan wants to do. Your battle is a spiritual battle. And David realized that his battle wasn't with Saul, but it was with the enemy. That God's plan was for David to be king but in God's timing. The, the last one under here and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and 5 is to simply examine yourself. You have a lot of problems sometimes with others, but no problem with, your, with you. Amen? When's the last time you had a problem with yourself? Think about that. It's hard to do, isn't it? We have so much pride. We have so much um, a high regard sometimes for ourselves. But when's the last time you, you were upset with your performance? You were upset with, with how you handled the situation? When's the last time you were upset with something that you did? You know, the Bible says, let a man examine himself. And that passage in, um, in Matthew chapter 7 talks about the beam. The beam. How are you going to get a speck, a splinter? How am I supposed to get a speck and a splinter out of your eye when there's a big beam coming through mine? But man, why is it so hard to see that beam? Amen? When's the last time you had a problem with, with yourself? I promise you, if you will first focus on those things and say, Lord, let me see, let me see who I clearly am as I stand in the mirror, Lord. Show me where I have failed you. Show me where I've let you down. Show me how, where I've let my parents down. Show me where I let my children down. Show me where I'm letting my wife down, my church, my job, my friends. Lord, I want to be more. I want to do more. I want to be more of a, a rock for my 
family and my relationships. Show me, Lord. They may not even be telling you what their problem is with you. You may not even be aware of it. But guess what? God can show you. God can reveal to you things that you don't even know. So in closing, I want to give thanks to God this Thanksgiving. Give thanks unto the Lord for He is good. God is good all the time. and All the time, God is good. Remember some of these principles. Remember His divine nature. Remember that life isn't always good, but there's a way. If I'm in the will of the Lord, if I'm being sober-minded and filled with the Spirit, if I'm redeeming the time and giving thanks for everything, life can also be good. And the same goes with my friends and, my, and people in my life. If I can be fruity and be seasoned, allow God to fight my battles, if I will examine myself, and be, be seasoned with salt. I can, I can be thankful this Thanksgiving. Amen. Let's stand. Miss Nancy, are we going to play? All right. The altar is open. Let's, let's pray real quick. Father God, Lord, I thank you for your great, great grace. I thank you for your love, your mercy. But Lord... I truly want to be thankful this year. God, as we sit around the table with our family, with our friends, Lord, help us to appreciate those, God, that love us most. Lord, thank you for their sacrifices. God, thank you for their faithfulness and their commitment to us in our lives. But God, ultimately, Lord, we are thankful for you and your goodness, and your goodness to us. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love Him. God, you're a good, good God. You're a good, good Father. The altar is open. If you want to come this morning and pray and ask God to, to take some things out of your heart, or maybe you're saying, I want to know what the will of the Lord is. I want to get in his presence today. Josh, I need help with some of my relationships and my friendships. I need, I need to learn how to be seasoned. And I need to be more fruity, developing the fruits of the Spirit of God in my heart and in my life. God, I just need to come to the altar this morning. I need to be examined by you. I need you to show me, Lord. The things that I'm doing, God, that is quenching your spirit. Lord, it's causing any kind of division in my home. Lord, it's allowing the enemy to have a place in my life. The altar is open.